Hello and welcome to the Trinity Podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and creators of the Fit Over 40 Method. And for more information about what we do, head to www.fit40info.com. So in today's episode, we're going to be discussing alcohol and weight loss and how it links to women over 40. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Trinity Podcast. Cool. So yeah, so we work with a lot of women who are over 40 and who are looking to lose weight. And many of the women we work with also lead really, really busy, stressful lives. So whether that's because, you know, they've got a really stressful job, maybe they've got a really stressful family life, maybe they've got both at the same time. And as you probably know, and as many people probably know, alcohol is probably not the most helpful thing when it comes to losing weight. But often at times, people with very stressful lives, they can find it very difficult to stay away from the booze. Maybe that's, um, you know, they, they drink to celebrate, maybe it's they drink when their mood is, is a bit lower. Um, but either way, if you struggle to stay away from the, the drinking, it can make it really, really difficult to lose weight. And it can make it especially difficult when at the same time, you're dealing with changing hormones in somebody who's over 40 and they're heading towards the, the menopause. And this can leave women feeling completely stuck. So, you know, they, they've got this drinking going on, but maybe at the same time, they're trying to succeed with different diets and things that used to work for them in their 20s or in their 30s. But these days, they're just not seeing any results from all that work in the mirror, no matter what they try. And being stuck in that situation can then start to impact on loads of other areas. So it can start to impact, you know, things like people will not enjoy going for shopping for clothes as much. You know, they won't look forward to going on holiday, to putting on that bikini, getting on the beach. They'll maybe feel less confident around their partner. And just having to constantly think about their weight and constantly having to think about um, maybe the fact their waistline is increasing and, and kind of steadily growing each year is a big drain and a huge stress for so many people. So today I just wanted to, we just wanted to kind of discuss the best strategies with alcohol for women who are over 40 who want to lose weight and like how to go about doing that without being, without having to give up alcohol and, you know, never drink ever again. And we want to start with a balanced argument. So we don't want to just say, as Ben said, we don't want to just give it up and say there's no, no advantages or, you know, there's no reason to drink. Because there are a few reasons people drink. Um, obviously, the first one, or maybe not obviously, but for most people, I think taste is a factor. So whether it's that nice, as Ben said, really nice glass of red wine. I know there's a certain taste of red wine that I actually quite like. Um, whether it's that white wine, that refreshing taste, maybe it's a gin and tonic and you like the, the, the taste of that or beer, or what, whatever it is for you. Maybe there's a taste element that means there is a bit of a benefit to having it. Um, but I wouldn't say that's the main reason. I'd say that's a reason people drink it, but there's lots of non-alcoholic drinks that also taste good. So there's a few more reasons. So I think the, the other thing that Ben and I were discussing before we started is a lot of us at some point or a lot of people will use alcohol as an escape. So for a variety of emotions, they might use it. Like if they're bored, if they're lonely, if they're stressed, if they're unhappy, we might turn to alcohol. And I know I've definitely done things in the past where I've drunk too much um, because I'm, I'm feeling one of these emotions. Like I think, I think you, you had a particularly bad experience at uni once, Ben, with a bottle of vodka. Um, mm. After was that after a breakup or something tough like that? And I did something like that. Yeah, I've decided the best way to deal with the breakup would be to just drink the, a whole large bottle of vodka down it in front of all my friends. So they thought I was, you know, really cool. 
which then ended up with me. We then went on a night out into town and I was, uh, we were on the bus into town and then suddenly I just projectile vomited like red burrito sauce all down the aisle of the bus. And then my friends had to carry me home. Terrible, you know, very, not a good experience at all, but yeah, not a good way to actually to deal with your emotions. Yeah, and I know after I've had a really hard day, some, sometimes I know a lot of people during lockdown are saying, oh, it's great, I've got no work on, it's much quieter. I don't think we've really had that experience. We're an online business anyway, we haven't really stopped and we've, we've, we're pushing harder than ever because obviously it's, it could be a tough time coming up for businesses and things like that. And a few days during lockdown, I've definitely just been a bit fed up with lockdown, um, a bit tired after a hard day of work and then I just want to kind of escape from all that stress um, and it's not the best thing to do, but I've had that feeling of, oh, I just want to just want to have a drink. I just want to have a few gin and tonics. And I, I haven't always done it. We're going to talk about some other tactics um, today so you can you can kind of manage this better. Um, but for a lot of us, alcohol is an escape. And we work with lots of clients who have kind of got into habits with alcohol that are not always um, the most effective during lockdown. They might be drinking in the week, um, not just at the weekend. And it's starting to become a daily occurrence or they drink a glass of wine, they end up drinking the whole bottle. And there's a few reasons why this could be a little bit of an issue. Um, and there's one more reason that, that could be a benefit. Uh, I guess, again, Ben and I were talking about this before that the, the phrase social lubricant is sort of thrown around when it comes to alcohol. But what were you saying, Ben, about the fact that actually that's sort of covering up for something else? You were saying something before. Yeah, I mean, really, when, you, when people say they're using alcohol, it's like a social lubricant. The reality of the situation is it's probably just because they, they feel a bit awkward. They feel a bit uncomfortable. They don't feel confident around that particular group of people. And then by drinking that alcohol, that kind of just removes a bit of that, removes a bit of that. So it's almost just something that you're hiding behind that's covering up for insecurities um, more than anything else. So yes, definitely it can make social situations more fun when you're all with your friends and you're, you know, you're all having a few drinks together. Um, I think that, that really can be a social lubricant, but then there'll be other situations where it's, it's just kind of covering, covering up for awkwardness rather than just enhancing that social situation. Yeah, that's, that's definitely why I used, to, I used to drink a lot more at university. And I think a lot of it was because I was just really not confident in myself, really insecure. And just, just having loads to drink would mean I'd eventually forget about that. And I didn't really like that. So sort of after the first two years where I definitely drank way too much at university, which I guess loads of people do, but um, I kind of toned it down a lot. I know you, you, you kind of did the same thing as far as I remember after the, after the first couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So they're the sort of benefits we see. There's the taste advantage, your alcohol can taste nice. There's the fact it's an escape and there's probably better ways to deal with it and we'll talk about some of them today, but it can be an escape whether you're feeling bored, bored lonely, stressed or unhappy. And it can also be used as a social lubricant in the right sort of context. Uh, in the right quantities but there's there's a lot of drawbacks and i'd say generally the drawbacks of alcohol are probably um probably worse than the benefits it especially if, it, if you're consuming more than a small amount in a small amount i'd say there's the drawbacks don't apply quite so much but in terms of weight loss context which you're talking about today and for women over 40 there are quite a lot of drawbacks so ben why don't you start by going through some of the drawbacks so yeah so one of the um the, the biggest drawback is just that alcohol is quite high in calories so Per gram, alcohol has seven calories per gram. So the, we put that into perspective. There's there's a few different things, a few different sources of foods. So you've got like proteins, carbs, fats. Alcohol is kind of a fourth group in there. So proteins and carbs are four calories per gram. So they're like the least calorie dense thing. 
Um, alcohol is then in the middle, which is seven calories per gram, and then fats is nine calories per gram. So fats are the most calorie dense thing, but alcohol is only a little bit less behind. So, um, you know, they, they are really dense in calories. And so just as an example, like a, a whole bottle of wine, I looked this up earlier, I think it was white wine, was about 650 odd calories, which, you know, on top of, and if you have a normal day of food and then you have a bottle of wine at the end of the day, you have, you know, you just keep pouring yourself another glass, another glass until the whole bottle's gone. That could very, very easily lead to quite a significant increase in weight over time. And certainly it could stop you from, you know, seeing your weight coming down because, you know, there's no getting around the fact that if you're eating more food than your body needs, your body is going to store that excess as body fat. So the fact that alcohol is high in calories is probably the, the biggest drawback. And, it, and it's very easy to take in a lot of calories. Um, I mean, how many, it's three large glasses of wine in a bottle, roughly. It's, it'd be, it wouldn't take me very long to drink three large glasses of wine if I just wanted to drink them as fast as possible. Whereas if you tell me I have to eat like an entire dinner plate full of potatoes, for example, that's going to be very, very difficult in comparison. But they're probably going to be a similar amount in calories. Yeah, I think about be about half a kilo of potatoes, maybe even slightly more. Mm. The same as one glass of wine and half a kilo of potatoes is like a mountain of potatoes. So yeah, liquid calories tend to be easier to consume, don't they? And especially in the form of alcohol. I think there's most people are educated on this to the degree. So they know that there's alcohol isn't just no calories, but it can kind of feel like it in the moment because it's liquid. You don't really notice it in the same way. And it doesn't fill you up, obviously. And it's also, it can be easy to, uh, you can lose track of how many drinks you've had quite easily as well. Yeah, that kind of that's the next point, I guess, that it lowers your inhibitions. So alcohol lowers, I don't know how, what the definition of inhibitions is actually, but sort of your standards, what you're willing to say yes and no to. Yeah. Uh, your sort of decision making goes out the window and your, your standards go out the window. So as we all know, I don't know how many people have found this, but you have quite a few drinks and then, you end up going for a kebab or you end up having a burger after a night out back in the day. I haven't done that for a while. Obviously we're not allowed or having like some cheesy chips or something like those things are way more appealing when we've been drinking or, you know, at home having that big bag of crisps that you thought you were only going to have a few of it's all gone after drinking some alcohol. Um, obviously lowering inhibitions can mean we make a load of other poor choices as well. Oh, the doorbell's going, I'll let you speak for a minute, Ben, cause the dog's probably going to bark like crazy. Um, yeah, I was going to say, um, the, when you were saying about kebabs and stuff and the type of foods you have after a night out, I can't think of a single time where I've, uh, you know, first thing in the morning, I've just thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out completely sober now. I'm just going to buy myself a nice greasy kebab with some cheesy chips on the side of it. I don't know if anybody else, um, <laughs> I don't know if people do this, but I've never, it's never seemed appealing to me until I've had a load of drinks. Yeah, I'd be very, very worried if I woke up and was ordering kebabs in the morning. I think that'd be a new low in life. <laughs> Occasionally, I've been like driving somewhere late at night and you see one of those kebab vans and you think, mm, I'm hungry, could I? Yeah. Uh, no, I think, yeah, the main thing is it's going to lower our inhibitions with food. And during lockdown, I think a lot of people are seeing that with like, they've got that, the snacks in the cupboard and they all get consumed or um, you're going to have you had good intentions to have something healthy and then you order a takeaway or something like that. Um, but it also actually, um, I find for a lot of people, it, it also has an effect on productivity as a whole. So it doesn't just reduce inhibitions, but it also has an effect on productivity. So it can become a bit of a vicious cycle because if you drink lots and then you don't sleep so well, so actually that's another drawback I didn't put on our list, but it, alcohol has a fairly significant effect on sleep. 
up and beyond sort of one drink, it can really, really disrupt sleep. Even if you get to sleep easier, there's been lots of research that your sleep quality is much worse. So not only may have you have stayed up late, you've eaten lots of unhealthy things, which may not make you feel so good. Your sleep's probably then going to be worse. So then the next day, let's say you've got work the next day, you're, you're, you're 10, 20% less effective, maybe even more if you've got a really bad hangover. I remember my last ever day working at um, Morgan Stanley. So I worked at uh, an investment bank for one summer as a student. I actually, I worked first of all at an engineering company. They paid me minimum wage. I had nothing left at the end of it. So I saw my friends doing this banking job and how much they were making and thought, I'm going to try and get that job. And somehow I managed to get a job there. Um, I didn't stay in it. But I remember my last day, we had this huge night out before it. And I've never, well, until I was a bit older, I felt more ill since, unfortunately, because I'm older now. But at that time, I'd never felt so ill. And I remember the entire last day, I did absolutely nothing. And that, that wasn't because I had nothing to do. It's just because I felt so, so bad. And that's an extreme example. But on a, on a lower level, a lot of our clients do comment that often we get them into better habits with alcohol so they can find a good balance that they're so much more productive when they're not waking up with that banging hangover or they just slept better. And they don't, sometimes they didn't even realize that this was having an effect. I don't know if, if you have the same sort of thing from, from your clients as well. You hear the same sort of stories. Yeah, definitely. I think when you do something for, you know, you're in a cycle and you're in a pattern with something, you don't realize how good you'll feel and how good things can be as soon as you get out of that cycle. So they're like, wow, I didn't actually realize how much of a negative impact this was having. Yeah, and it, I, I then find if, if people are less productive during the day, it means they get less done at work, their work drags on, then their work finishes late, then they're stressed out, then they need an escape from the stress, so then they go to drink, then they drink, they stay up later, they don't sleep well, so then they work even less effectively, and it becomes this downward spiral of trying to keep up on the, keep up on the, the hamster wheel or the treadmill with work, but the, the stress gets higher and higher because their productivity is so low because they're not doing the things they need to look after themselves. So sometimes you have to kind of draw a line and we'll come on to that in just a second with, with, with some, of the, um, some of the tactics you can use with alcohol to find a better balance. But the last thing I wanted to say before we get into the tactics is there's also a big drawback for anyone who's menopausal or sort of even perimenopausal. So getting into that phase of life where you have things like hot flushes, um, you have disrupted sleep anyway, um, and other symptoms like stress, tr um, feeling you know, mood swings and things like that alcohol makes all of these things a lot worse and you may have experienced this for yourself a lot of the people i speak to who are um who are going through menopause do comment that when they've drunk more they really really notice the increase in hot flushes they notice their sleep gets even worse um, and if you can find a bit of an improvement you can find a balance and not have it so often that means you you'll get better rest you'll be more productive as well you'll have more energy and ultimately there'll be a lot of lot of benefits to, to managing it so as you can see, there's quite a few drawbacks from it being very high in calories, which means it doesn't help weight loss directly to the fact that it lowers inhibition. So indirectly, you might be eating more, drinking more, making poorer choices, reduces productivity, which can lead to stress, drinking, stress, eating, and, and the generally stress levels rising. And also it makes menopause symptoms worse. And generally when those symptoms are worse, again, people are more likely to turn to food and drink to comfort themselves as well. So we do need to find a balance if you want to lose weight, especially for women over 40. You can't get away with just, um, just sort of winging it and hoping in, in our experience. So Ben, let's, let's get into the tactics then. What, what do you think, first of all, people can do to deal with alcohol better? One of the, um, the simplest things is you could just not drink. This is kind of the, probably if I was going to, if somebody asked me what's the most effective approach is going to get me the best possible results in the shortest time, I would say never drink again. Like ultimately alcohol is a, is a poisonous substance. The body doesn't 
doesn't like it, doesn't have any benefits in terms of helping you lose weight. It doesn't have any real kind of health benefits. It's just going to, overall, it's a negative other than those kind of social impacts and the taste benefits that we discussed before. Um, after, after that time when I decided to drink a whole bottle of vodka and was sick all down the bus uh, in first year of uni, I remember then second year of uni was kind of a similar pattern for the whole of second year of uni. It's kind of a blur of like going out on nights out, drinking way too much, um, you know, finding myself in embarrassing situations until it came to kind of third year. I started getting a bit more serious about health and fitness and I decided enough was enough. And I was, my strategy then was just cut out alcohol completely. So I probably went through a period of, I don't know, a year or so, just not drinking anything at all. Um, which was interesting because when you find yourself going on nights out with people, um, when you're the only one who's sober, you start to realize it's not actually very fun <laughs> going out with a whole bunch of drunk people. But um, cutting out this alcohol for, for any period of time, I think most people will start to notice, you know, their energy levels are better. They're waking up feeling more refreshed. Um, you'll just generally feel better like you've because, you know, you've taken this poisonous substance out of your body and for somebody who is, you know, there are people who are kind of an all or nothing type of person. For that type of person, I think saying I'm not going to drink anymore is probably a good strategy. And also, I think this is the strategy that, you know, probably the only one that works for somebody who is like an actually an alcoholic as well. They say you can, um, I don't know, you, you always, there's always a quote you say to me, Rob, I can't remember what it is. What about alcoholics? Yeah. I don't know what the quote is actually, but I, like you can never drink again, basically basically yeah my auntie is an alcoholic i know you never you never become not an alcoholic and she uh yeah she, the only way she was able to beat it was by completely stopping as yeah. well as things like counseling and stuff for it to understand that you can't have one there's no like what well, it's just a slippery slope but for a lot of the people listening i'm guessing they're probably not going to be in that situation um and they probably want to have a drink so abstinence is obviously the ideal situation and I do think there's, there's some benefit in short-term abstinence and that's something we do with our clients is give them a small window of not drinking and often after a couple of weeks and we only do it for two weeks maximum sometimes even just one week with clients they just get out of that habit that habit of going it's been a stressful day I have a drink or um, it's the weekend it's a nice evening I'll have a drink and if you can just break that habit at least a little bit so what I tend to say for clients is try and set some ground rules so we'll break the habit for a couple of weeks then we'll reintroduce some, with it some ground rules like only drinking at the weekend that can have a huge difference because you've just broken the habit you've broken those the cycle you've figured out some other choices you can make and then that short-term period of abstinence can often just lead to to better results with that and what I think Ben and I have found is as we've been we've told you quite a lot of times during this episode and i know it's not relevant to everyone and we're not doing it now either we're not going on nights out all the time and lots of our clients are not going on nights out all the time but that experience taught us that we needed to kind of break that cycle and breaking that habit by getting into health and fitness going on our placement years where we worked um drinking less then and then coming back and just not really picking up that habit again um and finding more of a balance with it where we then felt better, I think because we were looking after our fitness, as Ben said, when you learn, learn what it feels like to feel good. And I actually had a conversation with a client yesterday um, called Nanette. She was saying on the phone, I actually didn't feel very good on Monday. I kind of took a day off exercise and eating well. She thought she'd just have a day off, which is fine. Sometimes we do that with people. She said, actually, I've, I really noticed how much worse I felt where this, this is how she used to feel. And she was saying, I think this is how I used to feel. 
but I didn't notice because I always wasn't feeling good. Whereas now she feels good all the time. And this is what Ben and I found when we really got into health and fitness is when you know what good feels like or great feels like, you've really noticed much, much more how like how much of a sort of, um, what's the word, much of a sort of unproductive state you're in or, or a suboptimal state you're in. So I think a bit of short-term abstinence is good to figure out, oh, this is how great I could feel. And lots of our clients in the first couple of weeks comment on how much energy they have, how positive they feel, how, how, um, how much more productive they are as well. I don't know if you want to add anything else on abstinence, Ben. Um... Only that I think it's probably like if you're stuck in that cycle, I think it's that is the best way to break the cycle. I would say that's yeah, yeah. You, can't, you, you you definitely can't in my experience. You can't go from that to just have a little bit less. Every time I see people trying to do that, it just works horribly. Same thing. We're kind of with sugar. I know this isn't a podcast about sugar, but people are really hooked on sugar. Just trying to have a little bit less does is just not an easy tactic. It's so hard to stick to something that's not black or white when you're trying to make a change. Um, it's just like, oh, I just have a little bit. That balance is really hard to find. So <clears throat> one good tactic then is some short-term abstinence, a week, two weeks, not having any, and then reintroduce it. If you struggle to do that on your own, you probably need to get some external help so someone to motivate you, maybe put some money on the line so you're actually motivated to actually follow through with it as well. Um, but then after that, you need to find a strategy too because there's loads of people who do things like dry January, they feel better, they make these better choices, and then they just go back, like February the 1st, they just go back to drinking constantly and straight back into the old ways in the cycle. So there's a few other tactics you can take. So we're, we're going to go through those tactics now, um, starting with lower calorie alcohol alternatives. Mm. So then why don't you go through a couple of typical things people might be drinking and then what other options people mm. might have. Because if you can just cut some calories out, um, you can you could sometimes just by having one drink of something rather than one drink of something else, you can have like four times less calories, which would be probably be the difference between maintaining or losing your weight and not losing any weight at all. Mm. Yeah. So if we go through a few different drinks then, so a large glass of wine, white wine is going to be around about 190 calories for a glass and red wine is going to be about 210. So, you know, average about 200 calories. A pint of beer works out to about the same as a glass of red wine. So that's 210 calories for a pint. Cocktails can vary quite a lot depending on what's in them. So cocktails can be anywhere from, say, 100 to 500 calories. It tends to be the ones where, you know, where you go to a bar and you see that they're pouring like big spoonfuls of sugar and syrups and all sorts of stuff into the cocktail. That's when they're going to be really high calories or ones that maybe cream and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they can be, calories can be quite calorific. So something like a, a white Russian or pina colada can be 400, 425 or more calories each. And then some kind of lower calorie alternatives then. So I'd say they're probably the things to, to minimize. Um, some, some kind of lower calorie alternatives would be something like a slimline G&T or a vodka lime soda. So with those drinks, what's really going to reduce the calories in both of those is going to be the thing that you put it with. So you know, normal tonic water does have quite a bit of sugar in, and then that sugar carries quite a lot of calories with it. So even though spirits on their own, um, you know, drinks that are made with spirits, if you were to just have shots of vodka, for example, that would be quite a low calories for the amount of, al- the amount of units of alcohol that you're taking in. But it's kind of the things you put with them. So if you had, for example, a vodka with a Coke, like full fat, coke with it not full fat like full sugar coke with it most like probably half the calories in that drink or more are going to come from all of that coke so 
by choosing like a zero calorie mixer to go with your drink, you're going to save yourself loads and loads of the calories if you're having a spirit and a, and a mixer. So Slimline GNT, so just Slimline Tonic is going to be, I think, I don't think there are any calories in it. Maybe there's one. It's going yeah, to be it depends on the, the version. Some of the nicer ones actually have a few, like a Fever Tree refreshingly light ones have a few calories in. They actually have a bit of sugar still in, but yeah, yeah. not many. But we're talking about like a zero, yeah, almost zero calorie one here. Yeah. Or a uh, like vodka lime soda, so soda waters, it's not going to have any calories in either. But either of those drinks, they might work out to about 60 calories, for example. So if we go back and we compare that to one of those cocktails, you know, you may be able to have four, and so, yeah, four like Slimline GNTs. I don't know how I've done that math. That's not right. Six. I struggle when I get into a, uh, <laughs> a pressure situation. It's going to be like eight, isn't it? Ish. Yeah, so about eight, eight slimline no, seven, seven for a pina colada. Seven. Yeah, seven, seven of those is about the same as a white Russian or pina colada, which is a lot. You'd probably be quite drunk off seven. Drunk, <laughs> yeah, off the GNTs, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to have seven. So you could have, you know, two GNTs um, instead of one cocktail, and it's going to be about a quarter of the calories. So. You know, in terms of weight loss, in terms of fitness, you're going to have, you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to see more results, um, but you're still going to be able to enjoy those drinks and enjoy those social situations. So you do, you can kind of have it both ways if you make clever choices with your drinks. So some other examples, you can have a glass of Prosecco or champagne. Um, you know, obviously it comes in a smaller glass. You still get to have a drink. You still get to hold that drink. You still get to feel like you're participating without having to miss out but that's going to be about 80 calories for a glass of Prosecco or champagne. So, you know, we're talking half as much as a, a large glass of, of wine. Um, some other examples. So another cocktail, a mimosa. I'm not sure what's in a mimosa. What's oh, in that? Oh, mimosa. I've spelt it wrong. <laughs> mimosa. <laughs> what's in the mimosa? Champagne oh. orange juice. I may be wrong with that. It's a but, bit of a cocktail so i don't tend to drink them <laughs> yeah those that that would work out to about 90 to 100 calories so again it's just if you choose the right kind of um if you make the right choices you're going to be able to still enjoy those drinks without like the key thing if you want to lose weight if you want to see results in that way is not pushing your calories like way over and that's kind of the, the danger with alcohol so if you stick to things like simline gnts vodka lime soda Prosecco, champagne, or some lower calorie cocktails, you're going to be able to, to do that a lot more effectively. Yeah, and I think it's important to look at like that glass of wine, which we're also going to talk about this in the next point. But like, first of all, most people are not measuring their glass of wine. So they're just going glug, 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 and then drinking it in a nice big pot, a nice big wine glass. How do you know how much is in that? They're pretty huge these days anyway. Um, but let's say it is 200 calories. You could have, as you said, you could have three slimline gin and tonics. These are single gin and tonics, almost four for the same number of calories, which is pretty crazy because you're probably not going to have four. Um, you're probably going to have less anyway. So making those better choices is one thing you can do. So picking those lower calorie choices and then either you can have more or you can, uh, you can have a bit less and actually see some weight loss. Or what you can also do, in a, well, kind of, it's kind of linked to the same point is make sure you're also measuring your alcohol properly. So this is something, again, I've been encouraging a lot of our members to do because there's a lot of lockdown drinking going on at the moment is to actually measure them accurately because a lot of people pour shots just by pouring it out of the gin glass or maybe into the lid and they put a few in, but they don't really know how much they're having. And again, it's very easy to creep up. And as Ben said earlier on, 
alcohol has seven calories per gram. It's very high in calories. The only thing that would be higher in calories is pure fat. So that would be drinking things like olive oil, which you're not going to do, um, obviously very high in calories. So it's not that different in terms of calories to that. So you want to measure it out. Like people use one calorie spray olive oil to try and try and keep the calories down with their oil. A lot of people know that, but yeah, they're just pouring shots freehand and, and hoping they've got the right amount. So I'd get a shot measure. They're like two, three pounds from Amazon. You can get some cheap shot measure that way. We have a cheap shot measure and then I can pour it in. The one I would actually recommend, a lot of them try and give you a double shot measure or a double and single. If you want to save money, just get a single. I think there's one on Amazon for four quid on Prime at the moment. Single shot measure because you can always put two in if you want a double. But that way, you know exactly what the single is. If you're trying to put a, put a half in a double, it's very easy to go over again. So one thing is to measure out your alcohol. And the other thing you can do that's a very simple tactic, which kind of relates to what a lot of people do with um, food. There's a tactic with food that works quite well for people, actually, which is to use smaller plates and small cutlery, which sounds ridiculous, but it does force people to eat smaller portions and eat slower. So use like a little fork. Um, people who have gastric band surgery have to do this. They have to use a special fork, so they have to eat slowly. Um, which does, can't really pick up much. And they also have to use smaller plates and things like that. If you get a smaller wine glass, they don't look as nice. But if it's when, when your friends are around, you can get out the big goblets. But when it's just you drinking, drink out a smaller glass and you'll have a much smaller portion. I know, I know it sounds simple, but if you're going to have to go and get the drink as well, that's another good tactic. So just make it a bit more difficult. So don't bring the bottle of wine with you to the table and just be pouring it into a giant glass because it'll be gone before you know it. What we see works much, much better is to get a small glass, keep the wine in the kitchen or in the fridge and drink somewhere else and then have to go and get it. Not only are you going to get a few bonus steps in, which is a small bonus, but you're also going to have to actually make the effort to go and get it. And that's probably going to slow down that rate of drinking again as well. I also, uh, I also recommended somebody the other day because I mean, wine, it comes in such a, it comes in a massive bottle and it only keeps for a certain period of time. So when you open a bottle of wine, you probably got to drink it within, I don't know, a few days. Yeah. Um, but many people, you know, after the first class, they'll just kind of keep pouring them and the whole bottle will be gone. So it can be one way to combat this is you can get like those half size bottles of wine um there's the ones in the shop which are like the one glass size ones and there's the ones that are like a 375 i think which is half yeah it just means then you, you're limited to kind of two medium glasses instead of um you know feeling feeling like you have to drink the whole bottle so you don't waste it if you see what i mean yeah and it's these simple tactics that people often won't do on their own like i know i know what it's like because we were looking at buying some champagne for aperol the other weekend and um not champagne, Prosecco, not that posh. Um, and we're in Waitrose and I think it was two pounds more for the big one. And I was like, we just, we, we don't, we never finish the big one because it doesn't, you know, you have to drink it, as you said, really quick. Mm. Uh, but Lucy, my girlfriend was like, oh, but the other one's like one or two pounds more. So we should just get the big one. So we got the big one and guess what? We didn't finish it. I don't really like Prosecco on its own. If we did though, we would have drunk it all and that would have been ideal. But instead we had like a little bit left and we were trying to drink the Prosecco on its own, which neither of us really liked. So it ends up with you just sort of consuming this extra stuff for no real reason. So as Ben said, it's much better tactic, even though it might be slightly more expensive. It's, it's better in the long term if you want to lose weight and you've got to think, what's your priority? Is it saving yourself 50p or is it losing that stone or two stone or whatever you want to lose? And if it is, buy the smaller glass. It's, that's a great idea as well. Now, there are also some non-alcoholic alternatives, which are going to be much lower in calories. I actually didn't write the calories down for this, so we'll have to see what, how we do it from our memories. But um, one thing you can have is non-alcoholic beer. And I know Ben's experimented with this a number of times when you've been cutting out drinking for, for a period of time. 
Do you know how many calories are in a non-alcoholic beer? I'm trying to look one up now, but I, um, I seem to remember it's really not many, but I've had, the thing with no alcohol beers is some of them are really not very good. And some of them are, you know, the best you're going to get is okay. But I mean, the, I think the, with these kind of no alcohol alternatives or even these lower calorie, different alcohol drinks, I think the real benefit with them is that when you're in a social situation, everybody else is drinking, you still get to hold something and drink something. Right. Cause it, it's, I think some people struggle with almost the awkwardness of like, if they haven't got a drink at all, people keep asking them like, Oh, you're not drinking. And they have to keep explaining themselves like, Oh no, I'm cutting down the alcohol. I don't want to drink. Then, you know, they'll get peer pressured. Like, Oh, come on, have a drink. I'll just pour you one. I'll go and buy you one, whatever. Um, but yeah, these, these just allow you to still have a drink, but without, um, without all the calories and everything that comes with that. So yeah, I'll let you, uh, continue on this and at the same time i'm going to try and look up the amount of calories in this beer okay ben's doing some research for us live um so non-alcohol beer we'll have a look i know it's lower calories um if you don't like beer though obviously that's not going to be very useful but a few other alternatives you can try as well um there's a there's a gin alternative called seed lip which is just botanical so it's on the ginny flavor not everyone likes it i don't mind it though i quite like it i don't really care if i'm having gin or seed lip to be honest especially if you're not using alcohol for an escape, which as we said earlier, isn't the best tactic anyway. We'd recommend you deal with the stress better, which we've, we've done lots of episodes on. Um, but a seed lip is, is basically this botanical flavor. You can mix it with a tonic and it kind of tastes similar. You can put some, some fruit in it or some berries or whatever it is you like to use to flavor your gin and you can have that instead. And it's virtually no calories. It's pretty low calories. Dogs go mad. Ben, why don't you fill us in on the calorie intake on beer then? Yeah, so I've, I've looked up non-alcohol beers. Um, I went for Heineken. Heineken seems to be a pretty decent one from the ones I've had before. The normal one is 142 calories, and then the calorie, the zero-alcohol one, is 69 calories. It's about half as many calories um, as the normal one. Okay, that's pretty pretty advantageous then. So half the calories, again, you could either drink twice as much or just drink the same as many. in half your calories. Yeah, and you can also, if you let's say, I know you can't, well, to, you could go and kind of go around to somebody's house now and have a few drinks in the garden, social, social distancing from them. Mm. Um, but you can, you can like confuse people because you turn up with your little box full of beers and you put them all in the fridge and then you go there and they see you like you keep opening more beers and said about six beers and then you just suddenly go like, all right, guys, I'm going to drive home. <laughs> oh, they, they were all alcohol free. <laughs> people yeah. most times don't even realize that you're drinking non-alcohol beers. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's tricky when other people are making them for you, I suppose. But a lot of this, a lot of people like to come up with these reasons why they can't do this. When in reality, a lot of the clients we work with, a lot of the drinking is happening on at home on their own or with their partner. So deal first. And the last thing I would suggest is a very simple one that I find works quite well. You could you could make non-alcoholic cocktails as well, but a simple one with a gin and tonic is just to have a nice tonic. So like the Fever Tree tonics, they do loads of nice flavors, Mediterranean elderflower, um, aromatic. There's loads of different nice tonics you can have. And they do one called a refreshingly light variation. And it's basically just get any low calorie version, but the refreshingly light ones of Fever Tree are particularly nice. You can get them in little cans or you can get them in bottles. Um, and then just have that with a slice of fruit and ice because a lot of the time, what we're also looking for is sort of a treat. We've worked hard all day and we want to reward ourselves, especially, again, this is a whole topic for another day, but especially if we've been brought up, this is often where this comes from. 
with, with, with being rewarded for lots of things, a lot of people get into the habit of rewarding themselves when things have gone well, or as Ben said, commiserating themselves when it's not gone so well with a treat. So it can kind of work both ways. But having that nice tonic, I, I often do this when I just think, I don't want to feel groggy tomorrow. I want to be on my A game for work tomorrow. Most like every day I want to be feeling good. I don't want to be feeling rough and unproductive because it is it's a vicious circle, as I said earlier. Just to have that tonic, have it in a gin glass, have it with some ice in it, have it with a slice of fruit or something or some frozen blueberries I sometimes put in it. And you barely even notice. You, it might not have as much nice flavor as a flavored gin, but it's barely different. And it kind of hits the point, hits the spot most of the time as well. So those are all tactics. I don't know if we want to just quickly talk about, we haven't really planned this bit, but I just want to talk quickly about um, the underlying thing as well of, of if you're using it as an escape, if you're using it for stress, what what's a couple of things you can do instead, Ben, do you reckon to deal with stress in a better way? Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, for most people who are turning to alcohol to kind of cope with things, it's either going to be just that their, their stress level is just through the roof and that's just pushing them to the alcohol for an escape. Or it's going to be something's going on for them, some kind of negative thoughts. Maybe that's, you know, maybe they're feeling anxious, maybe they're feeling worried, maybe they're feeling frustrated with things. But they've got these like continuous patterns running in their mind. And then the only way to kind of stop that is to then turn to the alcohol. So there's two things that we do with our clients to try and stop those. So the first one to deal with stress, very, very simple, is just some meditation. Um, any kind of meditation is fine. The as my meditation teacher has told me the best meditation is the one that you do so if you're listening to this and you feel like you're really stressed like pick up one of the any of the free meditation apps or anything like that give that a go i guarantee it's it's you know the, the research is there to show that just meditating deep breathing um is going to reduce your stress levels and if you reduce your stress you give yourself a much better chance of avoiding alcohol but not only that also avoiding things like unhealthy foods as well so it's going to benefit you in you know in every way the other thing you can look at is going to be your thinking. So if you notice that you're constantly, you know, you've got constant negative thoughts going around in your head, whether, you know, you're stressed about people at work, you're worrying about things that might happen in the future, you're feeling regretful about or guilty about things that have happened in the past. Having all of this going around in your head, it's never healthy. It's, it's always good to kind of resolve these things and work through these things. So we use an, an exercise called the thought transformer. Um, which is probably too complicated to go through on the podcast. But essentially what that does is it takes that whatever you're struggling with in terms of your thinking and it helps to helps you to see other ways of looking at it and other possibilities. And most importantly, like the, the other the other ways of thinking that you could take on, which are going to get you what you want out of that situation. Because ultimately in life, like the key thing is getting what you want out of the situation. If you if you're looking to, for example, drop a dress size and the way that you're thinking now is causing you to drink too much, to eat too much, to you know feel too stressed and too under too much pressure to do any workouts. You're not going to get what you want. So if you're able to change that thinking, then you can drink less, you can eat better, and you can um, start doing all of the healthy habits needed to get to where you want to be with your body. So it might sound really simple, but I think for most people, what stops them from being consistent with their eating, of being good with their drinking? It's just their thinking, what's going on in their head. So that's just as important to address all of that stuff as it is to put some of these tactics into action, like you know, abstaining for a short period of time, choosing those low-calorie alternatives, you know, going for those non-alcoholic versions of things. Um, I think it's important to do, yeah, to do kind of both things at, at once, really. Yeah, definitely. And this this is exactly what we do with all of our clients. So we help them on both 
both ends of the spectrum when it comes to alcohol. So dealing with the underlying causes, so helping them reduce stress and manage that better. And then also making better choices and getting in control through tactics. Um, so if you want to find out more about what we do do with that, if you want to find out more about if this could be right for you, you can head over to fit40info.com. So www.fit40info.com and you'll find all the details there. But we're just going to go through, before you do that, we're just going to go through a couple of examples um, of, of real world examples with our clients that we've, we've done to help them get in control with alcohol, to find that balance so they're able to lose weight and also still enjoy themselves. So Ben, how about you, you go into um, a couple of these examples now? So first of all is uh, Claire who is a mum and a managing director of a, a big company. Um, and what she said after, after kind of working with us was, it's not the 10 pounds that I set at Unstoppable, but it's, the, it's a seven pound loss. So she wanted to lose that 10 pounds, but she managed to lose seven pounds. And the first time I've been in the 11 stone category since 2016, thanks Ben Hughes and Rob Burkhead, my drinking has also dramatically reduced. There's a way to go in organization, but I'm getting better. Looking forward to setting our next goals on Sunday. So yeah, Claire's, when, when she kind of started working with us, probably her biggest, biggest vice. I mean, we all have these, some people, you know, it's sugar. Some people it's just kind of eating too much. Some people it's, it's drinking. And hers was definitely a drinking was kind of a, the most difficult thing. Um, and it was, it was more, she was kind of the, the, uh, the life and soul of the party, I would say. She was that person who was always, you know, always drinking a lot, getting other people to drink a lot and just having a good time and celebrating a lot. But she's, she's managed to just get that completely under control. Uh, and not, not only made a big change in her body, but also um, she's also made big changes in her career and, and the way that she, she is as, as a managing director in this high-powered job role. Yeah, so that's Claire. Um, and we've also got another example from Camilla. So Camilla's actually a company owner as well, but a different type of company. Uh, and she's a mum of some grown up children as well. And Camilla said um, recently, she posted this into our community. She said, I'm so glad I found Trinity. The exercise is keeping me going and keeping me on track. My mindset has never been stronger. I'm so glad of the support network too. In these distressing times, I know I would have been comfort eating and drinking alcohol a lot more if I hadn't joined Trinity. So Camilla, again, was in much worse habits before working with us. She was really struggling. She actually joined us last summer around about this time. She was one of our very first bit over 40 clients actually inside this program, um, as it is now. And she joined us and not only has she lost loads of weight again, so she's a couple of dress sizes down from where she started. But as she said there, she's way more in control and she's been able to keep it all together in lockdown when her small business has been unable to operate as it used to be able to really, really stressful situation. And she's not been drinking through it. She's been dealing with it much better and able to continue um, losing weight as well through this period. So to wrap up, you heard a couple of examples. You've heard about all the different taxes you can use with alcohol. I don't know if you wanted to say something, Ben, quickly before we... Yeah, just, I was just going to say about Carilla. I just I remember having an initial phone call with her when she was going to join. And she was, uh, she was quite upset on the phone, Jen, like uh, just at the point she got to. But with the alcohol, she was drinking quite a large amount of alcohol every month, her and her partner. And she basically took the money that they were spending in, on alcohol and used that money to sign up to work with us. Um, and she's been able to, I think since then, she's dropped two stone, more than two stone, um, cut down her drinking. But it's, um, yeah, it's just, just amazing to see that change. Yeah, I think that's a great point, actually, that 
a lot of people see it as an expense to join something like a fitness thing. And I get it is a luxury to, to work with coaches like us and to get help with this. But at the same time, a lot of people are spending. So the highest ticket package we have, the highest level of support with one-to-one support, unlimited phone support, which Camilla signed up to is about 60 pounds a week, just over 60 pounds a week. And a lot of people are spending that, especially if they were going and eating out, that's, that's like two bottles of wine in a nice restaurant, right? So a lot of people were spending that anyway on alcohol. Um, and they may be spending it even at home now. And if you just redirect those funds, that's going to show you where your priority lies. Then you can probably afford to, to make changes like Claire has uh, and to make changes like Camilla has as well. So if people are interested in finding out more again, Ben, why don't you wrap this up? Where can people go? Yeah. So if, if you want to find out more details about, you know, the, the type of program that Claire had and Camilla had to make those amazing changes, head over to www.fit40info.com and you can grab all of the details on there. Okay, well, that wraps up for today's episode. I hope you found it useful. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week on next Friday's episode of the Trinity Podcast.